You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast produced by Veteran Strategies and featuring conversations with fascinating and impactful men and women who have shaped our world, our communities, and our history. My name is Robert Vane, Principal of Veteran Strategies, and your host for our discussion. You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmon Construction, Leaders and Legends LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. You may find all your sales and rental equipment needs at McAllister.com. We are pleased to announce our podcast is a member of the All Indiana Podcast Network in partnership with Wish TV. You may find leaders and legends at allindianapodcastnetwork.com. Thinking of starting a podcast or need to host a public meeting, let Leaders and Legends LLC be your partner as you look for new ways to communicate your message. Please contact Chris Spangle and me at leadersandlegends.net. Thank you for joining us on the Leaders and Legends podcast. Our guest today is me. That's right. You're, and, I, and I'm your host. <laughs> me. Your host. Yeah. This is Chris Spangle, the newly married to the incredibly uh, attractive and wonderful and really sweet, a perfect partnership for you, Chris. Uh, the Leaders and Legends community is thrilled for you personally. We love you. You work hard. You're a great person. You have one of the best senses of humor I've ever encountered. And congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was perfect. We got married in Panama City and then went to the Dominican Republic. And I've been on a beach most of this month and I didn't want to come back. I'm really, I love Indiana, but I don't, I don't <laughs> want to be here. I want to be back in 86 degree weather and. So when we have these economic leaders on the podcast and they say, you know, we don't have mountains, we don't have beaches. Now you can go. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Everybody in the Dominican Republic that you run into is like super happy. All the employees on these resorts, all the shopkeepers. It's like they live soaking in vitamin D and paradise eating pineapple for breakfast. I get it. It was great. So, yeah, we're we're uh, we're thankful and Thank you to you. I mean, this uh, opportunity to produce your podcast has been, uh, A, a lot of fun. Your friendship has meant a lot. And then, you know, the the money helped pay for the wedding. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I appreciate it. Well, every this is our third podcast retrospective, I believe, or at least our uh, we're in our third year, about to enter 2022. We just posted our 150th podcast. And that was the one we recorded with Brad Chambers, the CEO of the IEDC and Secretary of Commerce. Um, never thought, quite candidly, Chris, that we would hit this mark. <laughs> we wouldn't wouldn't have made it without your uh, expertise for sure. Whenever uh, I'm doing podcast consulting, I always say to them, like, listen, nine, you need to enjoy doing your podcast because nine months from now, you're going to want to quit. And that feeling never really goes away, but you still love it so much you want to keep doing it. And well, it's a part-time gig for me, for sure, other than my public relations business. But but your expertise in it and, and your understanding and knowledge of the podcast community as a whole, I mean, it shows up in the podcast consulting you do for some of our clients and in our conversations. But 
150 podcasts. Does that put us um, towards the top of kind of the local podcast with oh, regard yeah. to longevity? Most podcasts, like 60% of podcasts, there's 4 million podcasts. And I think it's 64% of those never make it to episode 10. Um, and, and you know, they people get into it and they realize it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a labor of love, like you mentioned, um, which kind of leads to, to the first question here. I mean, how do you pick who you want to talk to when you're doing these interviews? Like, how do you make the decision of what you want to talk about? We've been lucky in the sense, and and it's, maybe this is something we'll get into later. The irony is that the pandemic has made it easier to keep the podcast going because of the familiarity with Zoom and the fact that this allows or has allowed us to interview historians from not only across the United States, but we obviously had Professor Susanna Lipscomb Zoom from Oxford, England, to talk about her, her scholarship in the Tudor period. So people who you never could have reached, right? <laughs> now now you can reach them because that's just the way people are doing things these days. So I thought the pandemic was really going to kill it because you weren't going to do anything face-to-face and you didn't really have the technology, or at least it wasn't as well known or as frequently used. And now you just send a Zoom link and everyone's like, yeah, okay, I know how to do that. Yeah, some of these historians, I mean, they're they're older and having podcasted since 2007, up until the pandemic, I mean, trying to get an economics professor in 2013 to use Skype was nearly impossible. So it's really opened up a bunch of new opportunities. I mean, so, I mean, when the, and I know we're kind of going back to 2020, but it all feels like one long year. Um, did you kind right. of wonder, like, what, you know, uh, is this the end of the podcast? Because it was so much fun to get to go talk to people in person. Um, and I think we counted it up. We only had five in-person interviews this year. Um, let's see. Who was that? Uh, Paul Lucian. Uh, Paul, Page. One, Paul Page. Uh, Brad Clark, Chambers. Yeah, Murray Clark, Kip Two, Jim Shella. I mean, so Allen's or Junior. Allen's or Junior. Do do you do you miss going out and meeting people in person and talking to them in person, or or you know, or what are the benefits of doing it on Zoom worth it? The in person interviews are more fun, just because you get to interact in a way that you don't over the screen. Uh, but if it hadn't been for the pandemic slash zoom or teams or whatever you want to use, right. Then the, the part of the podcast that allows me to exercise my um, nerd muscle to a greater degree uh, like Arnold, wouldn't have the, happened. The, the Arnold Schwarzenegger muscle then. <laughs> well, there it's just so fascinating that these historians have, have consented to come on. And the other thing that's gotten where we've gotten lucky quite frankly, is that now we have publishing houses out of New York City and other places reaching out to us when they have an author who wants to promote you know, his or her book. This is the funniest thing. This is a behind-the-scenes thing. Robert is completely... Is chagrin the right word? Like, you cannot believe that these people want to come on your show. I'm like, they, they want to sell a book, and then... Like you come, they they have the best interview. I mean, I've worked in radio for twenty years. Radio people are the laziest people, and podcast people are kind of lazy too. 
So they'll go on these shows and nobody will have read the book. They won't even have read the the PDF that comes with the book. And oh yeah, uh so Richard Nixon and Watergate, tell us about that. <laughs> Meanwhile, they come on you, you know, and then you detail what was in the 18 minutes of lost tape and these guys are just all fascinated by how in-depth you can go with them that you've read their book. And of course, they've gone to Simon and Schuster and these publishing houses and said I actually really enjoyed this. Track that. I bet he sold some books. And I, you know, when you find somebody who's really interested in so many veins of history like you are, combined with a fun conversation about it, I don't know why you're so surprised that these guys want to come on your show. Well, it's it's the East Side mentality that's part of it, right? <laughs> and the other part is, you know, there's lots of there's lots of history podcasts out there. Now, how many of those history podcasts are hosted by someone who enjoys history as much as I do. You know, I don't know. You're a history buff. We have plenty of friends who are big history nuts. And so, you know, it's, it's my kids joke that my graduate degree in medieval history is how do I even pay the light bill? Like it's, it's so worthless. How do I make money off of it? And then I just laugh and go, well, this is the only time it actually comes in handy. So I may as well use it. The, High school, I mean, it was like when I was in high school, and if, uh, have you ever seen when the Beatles would go to Shea Stadium? That was, that was Robert when Susanna Liscombe came on the show. (laughs) The medieval historian, she was, uh, she came on and they just, you know, it it was so funny, you you were fangirling. I, I, I think it's cute. I love it. Well, first off, she agreed to Zoom in the evening. In Great Britain yeah. at nine o'clock to fit our timeline. She's probably the most famous Tudor historian, historian of the Tudor period in the world. Easily. She has sold untold hundreds of thousands of copies of books, has hundreds of thousands of, of social media followers. And all I did was send her an email and said, hey, would you come on? And it took a while to make the schedule work. She was a wonderful interview, incredibly gracious, obviously beyond intelligent and informed. And, you know, we were lucky enough. We asked her some questions that she hadn't had before. And I think that that was something that kind of made her uh, more into the podcast, for lack of a better term. I think she started, you know, who's the most overrated person in Tudor history? We don't post the video in these podcasts, but the look on her, the look on her face was scrunchy, like I'm getting ready to give an answer and. And you're not going to believe it. She, her answer was Queen Elizabeth. And so, yeah, that was pretty special because, because you want that sort of outside validation, right? You want the folks to, to come on. And I've said this before, the best way to get really cool guests on your podcast is to get really cool guests on your podcast. Yeah. Once, once we, you interviewed Mitch Daniels, a lot of people started saying yes, you know, and I think that that kind of bore fruit this year. Like when you look at, the roster this year, you know, Marianne Glick, Marlon Jackson, um, you know, Mitch Daniels came back on, Barry Collier, Doug Bowles, Robin Miller, Frank O'Bannon had a, an all-star cast in that retrospective, Fred Glass, Gary Dick, like these, you know, um, uh, Frank Anderson, Paul Page, you started to see like higher profile people locally say yes and that's i think that's partly because you had mitch daniels on and that opened up a lot of interviews 
oh, well, if he's comfortable enough to come on twice, then I can too. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, that, that Governor Daniel is coming on the podcast. I mean, and I'm, I don't, and I don't bury the lead, right? So when I ask somebody who I think would know or be an admirer of Mitch Daniels, that's the first name I mentioned. We have not posted this podcast yet. It'll be posted at the beginning of 2022. But when I had a chance to pitch a podcast appearance to George Will, the first name I mentioned as a previous guest was Mitch Daniels because they're friends and are mutual admirers of each other. And so, you know, you look at that, it's, it's, it's the, it's the Seinfeld episode where uh, I think it's the bizarro Jerry where yeah. George Costanza has the picture of the beautiful girl with man hands, whose Jerry is dating and, he uses the picture of her to get into the exclusive club with all the models. Yeah. And, you know, he says his hand is stamp. He can come and go as he pleases. And so, you know, with, with governor Daniels, he's, he, he kind of stamped my hand and, you know, without him, does governor Evan by come on, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So and Evan, and Evan by was a terrific interview. He yeah, was an I mean, incredibly gracious interview. I'm the the former executive director of the Libertarian Party of Indiana. You're the former communications director of the, the, the state Republican Party. What the heck is this podcast doing having retrospectives on Julia Carson and Frank O'Bannon and having Evan Bayon? Why, 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 why would you focus on uh, uh, Democrats? What the heck's up with that, Robert? Am I on Abdul at large? Is yeah. Is that what I've worked to? <laughs> That's where I learned how to pitch that question, yeah. <laughs> Because I'm a Republican with a podcast. It's not a Republican podcast. And, you know, Evan Bayh doesn't get elected without the votes of hundreds of thousands of Republicans. Uh, if you don't think that, that Frank O'Bannon was an honorable man or that Julia Carson didn't make a disproportionate impact on her on her district and community, then you're just not paying attention. I mean, the goal of the podcast is to talk about leaders and legends. Not just Republican leaders and legends, you know, if that's the case, then I'd just have Greg Ballard on every week. <laughs> I don't think he'd, I don't think he'd do it <laughs> for a different segment on on his time as mayor. So, you know, we want to be we want to be as I've said this. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I say it to people who come on the podcast. And that is uh, leaders and legends is des designed to be informative, entertaining and comfortable. We want folks to come on here and have a good time. And we want the people to listen who listen to go, okay, that was an hour well spent. No one made me mad unless I'm a Purdue fan. And I've had to listen to Ray Tolbert, right? Talk about IU winning a national championship. I mean, there's plenty of podcasts out there that that'll tickle your political fancy and listen to the, all those you want. But you know, what we want to do is talk to people about their careers. You know, one of the very first podcasts, um, that we've done that we did earlier in the year it was talking with people who were, who were in the room when really cool things happen. Right. I mean, it was, it was for Marlon Jackson to detail what it was like to intercept Tom Brady, to seal the Colts trip to the super bowl in which uh, Peyton Manning won his first ring when they defeated the bears. I mean, what, what percentage of people in the entire world can say, that they were a part of such an amazing sports moment, let alone one here in Indianapolis. And he came on and he talked about other things too, 
But but that's what we want to do. We want to talk to people who have done great things, who have been involved in great things, who have written about great things or great people. And one of the things that has happened in 2021 is we've been able to do that. Yeah, I mean, so well, some of my favorite interviews or or not interviews, but podcast episodes are the 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 bipartisan, sadly not tripartisan. You know, where Murray Clark, Kip Tu, and Jim Shella, for instance, get together in a room. I love when Shella's on. Because, you know, Shella's kind of mentioning about 10% of the stories he's able to tell on the podcast. That's pretty fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's always fun to do those in person because you get to hear some of those off air. Um, but, yeah, I mean, where did you get the idea of doing some of those bipartisan podcasts? And what are some things that you've learned doing them? That R's and D's have the same problems, that they get the same grief. One of the things I want to say is very quickly is is to uh, talk about how much fun it is when Jim does join. Yeah. Uh, He does make it, you know, we have a situation where, you know, Jim, for example, we did a podcast with Becky Skillman and we did one with former Lieutenant Governor and we did one with Evan Bayh, former governor, former United States Senator. And, you know, Jim covered them when they were at the state house and some of the other political people we've had, like he's had friendships with them for years and years. And I, I just enjoy the podcast more when he's on it because he brings so much more to it than just me, because I mean, he was interacting with the Biden administration every day for eight years. Yeah. He's, and he's not afraid to be cheeky at times. Um, <laughs> you're cheeky, but you're, you're, you don't do it on air, but he, he's not afraid to do it. You know, where he, he kind of knows this will kind of elicit a bit of a laugh and a chuckle. Well, um, he's retired. So yeah. he can say what he wants. Yeah. Well, and the thing, you know, uh, with, with him is that is just like the historians with you. He's well-prepared. He knows the right questions to ask. Well, and he doesn't have to, he can bring up. I was at the news conference at which you said I was at the stop in Brownsburg at which you said, talk to me about that. You know, those are the things that are, that are really fun to have Jim pull those stories out. And I think in particular, the Evan by podcast was really enhanced by Jim's presence because, you know, he becomes governor in 88. Uh, Evan by becomes secretary of state in 86 governor in 88. And then, um, Senator in 98. Yeah. Senator, Senator 98. And so that's really when Jim's career at channel eight was in its stride, right? Like he was really, had really fired things up by then and, and was clearly the, the most uh, active and, and strongest, I would say, uh, state house reporter. So having Jim be able to talk to Evan by about the Evan by years, I mean, the best thing I can do when that happened is just be quiet. There's plenty of stuff for me to talk about, but Jim really hits it out of the park when he's talking to folks like that elected officials whom he covered even in the, in the Frank O'Bannon and, and last year, the Joe Kernan retrospective, Jim was just, just so good. Who's your co-host on the Frank Anderson podcast? It's Kevin Murray, who's an attorney. <laughs> Not many podcasts like invite guest co-hosts, but you do. But it was funny how 
I don't think you asked a single question in that podcast. You, I did not. You're unique in that you turned it over to the other the other person, our friends friends at the Girl Scouts, and and you let them ask questions. Well, for you know, Kevin Murray was the Frank Anderson Sheriff Frank Anderson's attorney, uh, and um, Kevin's an East Sider. He's a Cena grad and a good friend of the Golden Ace. And I really wanted to have Sheriff Anderson on the podcast to talk about his uh, career. And the best way to make the sheriff comfortable was to have Kevin be a part of it. And so, you know, it's about documenting, documenting history and people's careers and and events. And so, you know, if I keep my mouth shut for an hour, I I survived. (laughs) Um, And all were better for for it. Um, You know, you really did. You mentioned this earlier. Let me say the Kip to Murray Clark. You like when the R's and D's get together and. I love it. Yeah. Oh, and um, you know, you mentioned uh, that R's and D's have the same problem. You know, when you did the episode uh, with Robin Winston and Mike McDaniel, correct? And they talked about how the northern counties always gave them the most. You know, all you care about is Indianapolis. We, I had the same problem. I mean, at the Libertarian Party, that that specific episode. If you listen to those two state chairs talk about what it's like to run a state political party, they had the same exact the same exact experience as I had. I mean, I had them in, in uh, smaller doses, obviously, but um, I, I I think it's partly because I connect to some of these stories and kind of have some of the same lived experiences, uh, and I, I also was around for some of it. You know, Murray Clark. When I was a young Republican, a college Republican president, I was in rooms with Murray Clark watching him do his thing. So it's kind of fun to like, listen to him do that. But I enjoy, um, I enjoy watching Jim Shella have fun with his friends. <laughs> I think that's also part of it is, is I think. Well, that's and the political ones, especially because they're a little more lighthearted, yeah. right? You know, it's not the easy. You... I think it's also, it's like th- things today, uh, you know, and I, I basically retired from politics in 2012 in my very uh, non-illustrious political career, as a party hack, and it was so different. You know, I started working on Andy Horning's campaign with Julia Carson, against Julia Carson, and, uh, you know, like, listening to that retrospective, it kind of brings back memories of when things were a little bit different. You, you, you Things are so cutthroat now and so much more divided even within the parties that hearing two people who, like, yeah, you, you whipped my butt on that one. <laughs> you know, I, well, the thing not, is not about having the, the anger in it. There's no anger in these conversations that I enjoy. Well, the thing about Kip was he had to endure the discussion about 2004 when he was Indiana uh, State Democratic Party chairman and his his mentor in some ways, certainly someone about whom he cares deeply. Joe Kernan lost to Mitch Daniels. And Mitch Daniels's campaign chairman that year was Murray Clark. <laughs> so Kip had to endure that discussion about the Daniels uh, election in 2004. And I think I even said this on the podcast, like, don't worry, Kip, we'll get to 2008 when Barack Obama wins, yeah. this, wins Indiana because, you know, Kip was so instrumental into that campaign uh, that that made history. First time a Democrat had won in a presidential race since 1964 in Indiana. But I also thought when it came to the Barack Obama campaign, 
Murray Clark was particularly interesting in his comments that they were like, look, you got to spend money here. Like you got to come up, you got to do something here. And that the McCain campaign wouldn't basically with the theory that, well, if we have to spend money in Indiana, then we don't have a chance. We're not going to win anyway. And so uh, Barack Obama didn't win by much, but that was an interesting juxtaposition where, where Murray, who had a very, very, and he's my former boss at state party had a very successful run as chairman. You know, that was kind of the one race that he, you could tell he, he wished that it had gone the other way. Turned out it didn't make a difference in the general, I mean, in the overall presidential election, it wasn't like Indiana swung it to Obama. And then Kip had to, you know, talk about what it was like to have to be chairman when his guy, his number one guy uh, loses. And those are, you know, you can't get into politics and, and get too high and get too low. And I think that was part of what came out. Both of them had some strong wins and some losses that they that clearly stuck with them. I mean, Murray was a losing lieutenant governor candidate in 2000 with David McIntosh. And, and so the the thrill of victory and agony of defeat, I think, comes through in these in these bipartisan podcasts. And again, that's where Jim Shella really is such a great co-host because he talks. He was at these rallies. He was at these debates, you know, that kind of stuff. And that just brings a flavor to the podcast that that you wouldn't get if it was just me, just yeah. like Danielle does. You know, when she when she joins the podcast, it's not just for the for the female guests, but it mostly you know, Danielle's one of the most dynamic leaders in the state and has a terrific reputation for what she's doing at the Girl Scouts and a superb background in education. So when Katie Jenner, the secretary of education, comes on the podcast, you do your intro and you tell Danielle to do her thing. Yeah, I think. Did she bring on Marion Glick as well? Correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's Kathy Langham as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. Um, I think it's important, and and one of the things that you do, I love the partnership with the Girl Scouts because it just keeps it from being a boys' club. Um, And and it's not that you don't want to reach out to female leaders. It's just that I think people live in their zone. They talk to their friends, and then, yeah, I mean, she brings in people like Sarah Taylor or even Marlon Jackson. Uh, The Girl Scouts brought in a couple of boys. Uh, Stuart Goodwin (laughs) at the Indiana War Memorials. Uh, Kathy Langham, Claudia Cummings. Uh, Cummings, yes, excuse me, I almost said Cummins, uh, and Katie Jenner. So talk about, you know, interviewing and, and Marion Glick. I don't know if I uh, mentioned her. The, these are really impressive female leaders, you know, and Amanda Kingsbury and Leslie Bailey at uh, Indy Maven. I, I hadn't heard of Indy Maven until that interview, and now I see it everywhere. Um, so talk about why it's important for you to have um, diversity on the show to kind of expand beyond your own horizons in who you select as a guest to interview. Well, that is one thing. The Girl Scouts have such a terrific network. Uh, not that I didn't know some of the people they brought on. Obviously, I'd known Stuart General Goodwin for a while uh, and Teresa Lovers. But and we've got more coming, more guests coming of that um, who have excelled in Indianapolis and in Indiana that the Girl Scouts are going to bring on. And we're thrilled with that. Uh, and Mertlo is coming on and that's through the Girl Scouts. Uh, Danielle's a great co-host. She's got a wonderful personality. She brings a lot to the podcast when she comes on. She's obviously very busy. 
and we enjoy we enjoy it when she can come on. Um, but the Girl Scouts Network is terrific. It's not just all girls; it's girls and boys. And so, anyone that she wants to have on, we usually try really hard to make it happen. Um, I think the one thing that I would say about uh, Danielle is her her background in education is really important. Uh, she she can talk about that those issues in a way that I just can't. Not that I don't have education clients or haven't worked in the education world, I have, but but not even close to the same degree that uh, Danielle has. And so that perspective that she brings is really fun because it allows her to do a deep dive into something about which she is so passionate, and that is education here in Indiana. Now, I think you just misunderstood the question. I don't think you're whipping out your uh, PR tactics on me and just uh, avoiding the question. Um, what, 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 why, why make it broader, not just about the Girl Scouts, but, you know, talking to a variety of different people, not just women, but, you know, leaders from a different, a variety of segments, people like Alan Sir Jr. in sports or Jack Swarbeck. Why do you talk, talk to such a diverse group of people instead of niching down into one, focusing on one group? Well, one of the reasons is, is it would probably just get boring. You'd end up plowing over the same ground. Um, we were thrilled. I was thrilled to talk to Alonzo Jr. I like motorsport sports, excuse me. I'm not a motorsports expert by any stretch, but he is a two-time winner of the Indianapolis 500 and probably had a stretch as the most popular race car driver in the country. And for us to be able to sit down, thank you, Norma Lawrence, by the way, be able to sit down with him and have a great conversation. It was just so fun. I mean, people want to hear from, I mean, not that I would compare myself to these folks. I'm not, but whether it's Charlie Rose or other sort, Larry King, you know, they just didn't stick to one particular group of people. You know, there's a whole people say who, if you could have anyone on in the world, you know, that kind of question, right. It's almost unanswerable because if you choose Paul McCartney, then that means you're not choosing Queen Elizabeth, which means you're not choosing Michael Jordan, right. You know, the list goes on and on. And so, I want to have some variety and talk about different subject matters and people who've excelled, whether it's nonprofit or government or sports journalism, uh, as a historian or biographer, we have, we've had a Pulitzer prize winner on the podcast, Edward Larson. And so to the extent that we can keep that sort of eclectic nature of the podcast going, we definitely want to do so. Yeah. I think it's comes down to stories. I mean, there's great stories everywhere. The, the stories that, you know, Paul Page told, whereas interesting to me is like hearing Katie Jenner's arc, you know, Becky Skillman's story, I thought was such a great story, you know, starting as, uh, was she a clerk and then working her way up and all the things she's doing now, like just tons of great stories. What about her high school nickname? What was it? I forget. Hot Rod. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all of these, everybody that you've had on, I mean, talk about storytellers, people like Robin Miller, you know. Yeah. um, Rest in peace. What a good man. So I think it comes down to just really, if there's an interesting story to tell in a person's career or an interesting story to tell in in Van Halen. And Mm -hmm. I mean, Brad Tolinsky, I was just riveted to hearing his conversation about Eddie Van Halen. And I... I don't know that I necessarily would have chosen to listen to that podcast, but once I did, I was like, I'm glad I did. It was a really interesting story. Same with Bob Orr. I don't really know Bob Orr, but it was an interesting story. Well, Mark Lubbers saying 
at right out of the gate that Otis Bowen is the most overrated person and was a lousy governor. I thought that was an interesting way to start that podcast. Pulled quote. Not, un- yeah. not unpredictable, but uh, uh, certainly a, a conversation starter. Glad you liked Brad Tolinsky because he's coming back on the podcast to discuss his book about Jimmy Page. Right. You think which, if you listen to Paul Lucian, you're going to hear him talk about business training. Then he talks about being a cop. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely so, right. Yeah. And the other good thing, and I'm going to thank our sponsors here in a second. The other good thing is like for, for Becky Skillman, right? I saw her pull into the state house parking lot in that Mercedes. I don't know how many times her little racer Mercedes coupe and just thought, man, I wonder if she gets any grief for that. Like, I wonder if someone hasn't said, hey, look, you know, you should probably buy a an American car or something else. Right. And the podcast was a chance to ask her about it. And I thought her answer was basically like, go to hell. I'll drive what I want. I'm paraphrasing, but you know, for me to be able to ask her that question after 10, 12 years was kind of fun just to get her answer because she's no longer Lieutenant governor. She's no longer an elected official, which means you can let your guard down a little bit, be a little more forthcoming. You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmon Construction, Leaders and Legends LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. You may find all your sales and rental equipment needs at McAllister.com. This is our 2021 Leaders and Legends podcast retrospective hosted by engineer extraordinaire, Chris Spangle. Chris, did you have a particular moment that took you aback listening to the podcast where you went, man, I never never knew that or I'd never heard that before? Hmm. Yes. I've got to to think of what it was. Um... I, I didn't know that Paul Page was in a helicopter crash, which I found really interesting. Um, that that shows he, how young you are. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I always there's always every time there's there's something that kind of uh, there's always one little nugget, um, like Brad Chambers talking about his uh, mom. <laughs> I thought that was one of my favorite stories of the year of making his mom plow. Uh, hit the roads and then he didn't pay her. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, he stiffed. He said, "I stiffed." Did he say, "I stiffed her"? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, to to learning about Bob Orr and Franco Bannon and kind of hearing some of those stories. Um, you know, Alan Sir Junior. I've I, like I, I've looked up to him for a long time. Just as, as a race car driver, I, I, he won the first five hundred. I went to really enjoyed uh, that one. Um. There's, I enjoy the history podcast a lot, and that kind of is one of my questions. I mean, I'll be candid. When we started this, it's like, okay, well, there's definitely 50 people to interview in Indianapolis. Excuse me, I still have some laryngitis. Um, I didn't think there'd be 150 people to interview in Indianapolis. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I wondered if we'd eventually run out of people to talk to. Um that hasn't been the case, uh, you know, but when when you look at kind of the future of the program, do you still kind of see it as, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep focusing on Indianapolis, 
I'm going to focus more on the history uh, podcasts, like some of the Alan Gelzo podcast or Craig Simons or, um, you know, uh, William Stern Randall, or do you, do you still see it kind of being a mix of the two? Uh, Probably a mix of the two for now. Um, There are so many people here in Indiana. I'm talking to you, Larry Bird uh, and Peyton Manning and Reggie Miller and the list goes on and on. Mike Pence, he's he's the Mike Pence is the only living governor or lieutenant governor who we've yet to talk with. But okay, but here's the problem with that. Uh, I'll ask this artfully. Part of the charm of Murray Clark and Kip too is that they can look back. Isn't it kind of hard to interview somebody like Mike Pence when he's in the middle of it still? Depends on what he's in the middle of. I mean, he spent four years, and I don't know if we can get him. He is writing a book, so maybe that will be the opportunity. Um, we've, to your point, though, we, we've we interviewed Evan Bai. Evan Bai had four chiefs of staff. We've interviewed three of them. The only person we haven't interviewed is the current mayor of Indianapolis, Joe Hogsett who was Evan Bayes, chief of staff. I know the mayor would come on. He's talked to me about it, but he's pretty busy. So we'll probably leave him alone for a while. I'd love to have Eric Holcomb, the governor, come back on, maybe towards the end of the second term, if we are still around, to talk about what it was like to lead us uh, during the pandemic and win a second term and everything. He was very gracious with his time. Rob uh, Kendall as co-host? <laughs> no, Rob Kendall as co-host. Uh, and we would do a situation where, where I think we could try to make it as lighthearted as possible. Now, there's some other elected officials we haven't had on. You know, we've we've struck out on a few people. I really wanted to interview Lee Hamilton. We just weren't able to get him, um, and haven't been able to get him. Um, Joe Donnelly's people expressed a, an interest in having him come on, but you know, he's out. He's in Rome at the Vatican. Uh, but maybe when, he, but maybe when he comes back. Uh, there's so many. Actually, I think I've told you this before that I have printed the list of the living legends from the Indiana Historical Society, and we've been able to get several of them. But there's you know, a lot more people out there. Uh, I confess that the history programs, the podcast I do with them are a lot of fun because so many of the authors who we've talked to, their books have been on my shelves for years. And to get a chance to have a conversation with them is, is really thrilling. I guess who who have been some of the most helpful behind the scenes people? I I I would guess the Benner brothers uh, as the Bob and Tom web director. With the, every time I talk to uh, Bill Benner or uh, or uh, or his his brother, um, you know the 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 Benner brothers bit comes back to my mind. But you know Bill Benner has been a real friend of this program. And can you just talk about how many interviews he's helped set up? Uh, it, it, and including his brother, David, I'm sure. <laughs> well, quite a few. I mean, David was big. Uh, he certainly helped with Robin Miller and appeared on that podcast. We're hoping to have him come on for a couple of more. Um, he was very helpful. I would definitely say that, that Danielle Shockey from the Girl Scouts are sometimes co-hosts. I mean, she's always coming up with ideas. We were actually just emailing back and forth about a few just not that long ago. Uh, Dina Potter, who works for Danielle, does her PR. 
for the Girl Scouts, the communications. She's very helpful. And, you know, the thing about Jim Shella is he's always willing to come on. And that makes a difference. I think when I say, hey, come on the podcast and Jim Shella is going to co-host, you know, they probably know him better than they know me. And it makes them feel comfortable. And then there's a whole bunch of people I've never met. And those are the publicists who work for the uh, publishing houses in New York City and other places who reach out to me and try to book these guests. You know, it takes a lot of effort to try to find people sometimes. You're like, oh, my God, where am I possibly going to find? And then, you know, two weeks later, I've got seven or eight podcasts just waiting to be recovered. But there's so many business leaders who I've not yet talked to who I'd really enjoy interviewing, uh, whether that's uh, the CEO over at Lilly or the at Cummins and other places. I'd really like to talk to them, but they've got a lot of demands on their time and you have to be cognizant of that. And um, there's a few there's a few younger people who I haven't talked to yet, a JMV, who Bill Benner, I think, is going to try to make that happen. And um, quite a few people in communities that, that we need to explore more where I know folks and need to try to have them on uh, in a way to talk about what they're doing in the community. The podcast isn't necessarily issue-based. We're more personality-based. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you have to think about maybe expanding that a bit. Yeah, that's kind of the, the hard part about a show about leaders and legends. You know, they're kind of they've they've accomplished things, but you know, you want highlight leaders and legends in in other areas. So, what has stood out to you? What are what are a couple nuggets that you found interesting? I'll turn the question back on you. The fact that Robin Miller would come on the podcast when he <laughs> clearly was not feeling that well, yeah, and subsequently passed away. That was really nice of him. He didn't have to do that. He had a lot of demands and, you know, wasn't feeling great. And, you know, thank you to, to Bill Benner for making that happen. And he had such, a, such great energy, too, in that episode. Oh, you know, he just had, I mean, story after story after story where he kept throwing it back to Bill. Like, remember that, Bill? Remember when we were there? I mean, that's what makes it really, really fun. Uh, Allison Barber's story about working in the Pentagon uh, was was. I thought very compelling. Uh, I enjoyed Mitch Daniels coming on, you know, the first time he was on the podcast, he didn't, we didn't talk about his time as governor at all. And so the second time when he came on again, we talked about his eight years as governor. I thought he was very generous with his time, told great stories, you know, asked, he gave as tip typical Mitch Daniels fashion, right? You ask direct questions, you get direct answers. Yep. And that was a lot of fun. And he, you know, and he came on, you know, when the pandemic was still a big, you know, to the extent that it's not, but now, but still a big part of what he had to deal with every day as president of Purdue University, for sure. Um, I really enjoyed having my friend Michael Huber on. I mean, as far as the people who, who've who come on to whom I'm personally closest to, he would be right up there along with Greg Ballard or Bill Benner or Scheller or Paul Okeson. So it was fun to talk with him. I enjoy the ones like Michael where you're close to them and you have some rapport with them and they're, you know, I think that that comes through, uh, you know, and I think you've gotten more comfortable with, with some of the historians like Michael Dobbs or Alan Gelzo, um, William Stearns Randall, who's going to become a friend of the program, I think. <laughs> he is coming back on, yes, to yeah. discuss his next book. But these guys, 
you know, there's the saying that you should never meet your hero, right? Like you're going to be disappointed, but at the same time to like Michael Dobbs, right? I wrote, I read his book about the Cuban missile crisis. I don't know how many years ago it was that I read it. He agreed to come on in August to talk about his book about Nixon and Watergate. And I asked him to come back on to talk about the Cuban missile crisis. And it's just a, it's just such a real, it's just a real, I get a real kick out of it Yeah, because these guys are real experts and and I've read their book or their books or I see their names every day as I walk through my house. Right. And now they've come on my podcast. It's not an ego boost. It's more of just, it's more of just some sort of, it's just fun. I can't think of another word for it's, it. It's like collecting basketball cards and getting to get the autograph of the guy that is on the card. You know, that's the attitude that I think you bring to it. You know, when you told me David O. Stewart was coming on, I had read his book about the the creation of the Constitution 15 years ago, and he's always been one of the historians that I've I've watched and read his books, and, you know, I was like, you're having him on? You know, it is it, it is a thrill to get to, to listen to these guys, talk to them, you know, George Will that that isn't out yet but just like getting to watch you interview george will uh was really interesting um <clears throat> you know and in in that you you asked him about baseball and I, I i kind of and i know people haven't heard this yet but it's it's leads to a question like you you started off and talked for a fair amount about baseball with george will why would you do that he's a he's a political guy why wouldn't you talk about politics with a george will for you know, a good portion of the interview. Well, Will's known for his passion for baseball. Like he's very well known for how much he loves the game has loved the game since he was a kid. So do, but I mean, but, but my question is like, do you, do you do research to find things about a person that's kind of out of the vein of the thing that they're known for as a way to make them more comfortable? Or is it, you know, why make those choices? Cause you do it, Somewhat often, and I'm not saying it's not a criticism. I'm saying, like, is it uh, why is it a choice that you make? Well, we do want them to be comfortable on the podcast. I mean, particularly for Mr. Will, I said I didn't really want to talk about modern politics. I wanted to talk about history because he's a huge history buff and baseball a little bit. And I think the, the, the podcast is basically split into three different segments, baseball, Mitch Daniels and history. And, you know, I think that's maybe people need a break from politics from time to time. (laughs) Lord knows it's hard enough to do. I mean, if there were other political, there are probably some other political commentators I could get on the podcast just because I could think that they would do it because they're on other podcasts and their emails pretty public and it wouldn't be that hard. And quite frankly, I would drop George Will's name as someone who'd already been on. Right. That would make it easier. Now the question becomes, what am I going to talk about? Because I don't want to do a 60 minutes on immigration or abortion or, you know, the tax code. So it has to be a little bit more personal. You know, we had, and this was, I think, last year, maybe not 2021, but uh, Lou Gehrig and Bill Morrow on. And it was great to talk about to Lou Gehrig, who's a Republican PR strategist, about what it was like working in the White House on the day that Ronald Reagan got shot. Yeah. I mean, am I going to have Lou Gehrig on and talk about Reagan's tax cuts or what did Reagan really think of Paul Volcker? (laughs) You know, 
Who cares? Right. Tell us about when the phone rang and someone said the president's been shot. Or Mitch like, Daniels on 9-11. Yeah, that was terrific. It was just amazing. Yeah. And, and I and those are the kind of things that I think that that allows our audience to grow and gets us some of the some of the kudos that we've received. Plenty of political slash policy slash partisan podcasts out there and they're not hard to find. So do you um if you want to give your favorite episode of the year or favorite interview, go ahead. But I will ask it this way because I don't want the, oh, they're all my children. I can't possibly choose of the 52. Um, you know, as a podcast host myself, there are some podcasts that you walk away and you go, I nailed that. I killed it. And then there's a bunch where you walk away and you go, that was mediocre. Or I really sucked on that one. Uh, was there an interview this year that you walked away feeling like that was really good. If that were like, that's my showcase episode, which one would it be? Probably Susanna Lipscomb. Yeah. Cause I had to prep really hard for that. Not that I didn't not the not that I don't know. I hate to say a lot about Tudor history. I mean, I guess compared to the average person, maybe I do, <laughs> right. yeah. but you're but, aware you know. that the Middle Ages and the medieval era are the same thing. So you're you're ahead of the game. <laughs> so but when you're when you're talking to someone and this is specific, right? When you're talking to someone who's written a book on a subject, they'll know within 30 seconds that if you say the 15th century and you really mean the 1500s, that you probably are not uh, sufficiently prepared so I worked really hard to get because I was honored that she would give us the time. I mean, she's in Oxford and I'm here in Indianapolis, Indiana, right? Like I'm not going to do anything for her. She's not going anywhere with me. She just <laughs> loves history and I can't really do anything for her. She didn't really know anything. I hadn't really had any European historians on the podcast, right? So it's not like she could listen to four of her friends who had been on before. And she really just kind of did it out of the kindness of her heart and I worked really hard to, to ask questions that I thought that she wouldn't get asked had not yet been asked. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that came through in the podcast that there were questions that weren't gotcha. Right. They weren't like, you know, how dare you, but you know, who's the most, what's the most impactful unexpected death or who's the most underrated or overrated or this sort of thing. You know, if you could go back in time and box anyone ears, anyone's ears, who would you choose? Those sorts of questions. And you could tell when she's answering them that she's given it real thought because she doesn't have a pat answer because that's not a question she had heard before. She so lots of that pauses it. and oh, gosh, never thought of that before. <laughs> she, yeah. yeah, she did do that quite a bit. Yeah. You know, Mitch Daniels was another one that I really I was communications director at the Indiana Republican Party for a time period when he was governor. I was working for Greg Ballard in the mayor's office for a time period, you know. He's he's the seminal Republican political figure of my lifetime. And to be able to ask him questions, he's intimidating because he can be short and he's intelligent and he, he you know, his his expectations are always high, high, high. And so I wanted to make sure that I made that podcast, you know, worth worth its worth its time. How long do you prep for an episode? It depends if I have a book to read. If I have an entire book to read before they come on, a month. 
but you know, Kip two and Murray Clark, you know, those two, <laughs> right. There was no prep. <laughs> right, it's just right. like, let me introduce the two of you and let you go have some fun. And it's, and it's, was fun. It was fun in the sense that they both respect each other. You know, they'd known each other for years and years. They'd been through the wars on opposite side. So, you know, there was a big vibe of the, you know, good morning, Ralph. Good morning, Sam, from the old Saturday morning cartoons where you clock in, you beat the hell out of each other, and then you clock out and you see each other at a fundraiser, at an event, or at the ball game, and you just laugh about what you did. You know, I can tell you on more than one occasion, uh, I've run into a Democrat uh, elected official and said to them, after a brief, respectful conversation. I hope you remember this because in about two hours, I'm going to be interviewed about what a lousy job you're doing. <laughs> so who, who, what interview left you with the most questions unasked? Mitch Daniels. I wish we'd have had more time, but we didn't have a lot of time. We got, I think we got an hour barely, but there were probably a half dozen or more questions that i still wanted to ask that we just didn't we just didn't have time to get through yeah but, you I mean, know quince mitch, ironically mitch, and, I, and, I mean do you want to tattle on yourself we took more time than <laughs> on both of those yeah interviews. we took more time than uh we were supposed to he looked at his watch a couple of times pointed <laughs> at it at least one time and then that was the wrap it up and then we had to come up with a brand new five questions for him because that yeah. was his second time on uh i would say uh, conversely I thought that I wasn't going to get to near as many questions as we did with Evan by. I mean, he gave us a huge chunk of time. Yeah. He was very generous, very generous with his time. Yeah. And that was something I didn't, I didn't necessarily expect. Uh, I would say that of the people who I interviewed or we interviewed, we talked to, you just kind of sometimes get amazed at how much Paul page has packed into his life. Oh my gosh. We didn't even get to a quarter of it. The book is great, by the way. John um, John Elrod, former, uh, what was he, state rep? State he was. Center? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Good guy. Great guy. He, he ghost wrote that book. The book is really, really good. The book is really good. If you love Indianapolis, especially, along with motorsports, buy Paul Page's book. It's terrific. But just, you know, getting to go to his museum of a house and you know, him taking the, an hour with us after the interview to show, that was, that was a ton of fun. Al Jr., you know, I'm a, I'm a big race fan. Those, it is fun to go and do the interviews in person. I do kind of miss, <laughs> miss some of that. Um, and Al Jr. has been involved in two or three absolutely yeah. iconic races and be able to yeah. ask him, okay, what's going through your mind as, you know, wasn't it Scott, was it Scott Goodyear? Yeah. It was he and Goodyear had the close, super close, um, uh, finish one, like yeah. in 91 or 92 or whatever and you know what's your what are you thinking as all this is going on you're trying to figure things out at 200 plus miles an hour of all the guests who would you have most the most fun having dinner with well Susanna Lipscomb would be <laughs> one I keep going back to poor Susanna God love her Dr. Lipscomb if you're in any way paying attention to this please <laughs> forgive me there were so many other questions I wanted to ask of her from other historical time periods um, I've never had a meal with Mitch Daniels I've sat down and talked to him you know briefly uh, I would say this of the, of the would he be the most fun if we were talking about history yeah I've had lunch with him and P.E. McAllister and, you know, 
the three of us talked about history for an hour and 15 minutes straight. No politics, really, nothing else. I mean, it, it really is something where you, you can sit down with four or five people, and if that's what you sh- your shared interest is in, you can have a lot of fun. I would say that I learned a lot about Julia Carson when I was doing the research for the podcast we did on her, especially her emphasis on on home ownership, and that's a talking point I've used in my uh, public relations practice more than once. Uh, but the other thing I would say is that we interviewed uh, Ted Widmer, who wrote Lincoln on the Verge, a book about Lincoln's journey from Springfield, Illinois, uh, to Washington, D.C. for the his inauguration. Um, that book is one of the 10 best books I've ever read on any subject. Hmm. If you have not read Lincoln on the Verge, you are missing out. It is positively brilliant with a strong chapter about Lincoln's uh, stay here in Indianapolis Hmm. when he was on his journey. So to have him come on the podcast, I thought was a real coup. He was a terrific guest and the book is just simply superb. The other thing I would say, go ahead. The story that we got and I forget who the author was, who was talking about it. And that's the story. I don't think it was, it might've been Fergus Borderwich who wrote the book Congress at war about the Congress, United States Congress during world war, or excuse me, during the civil war. But actually the more I think about it, it was uh, Ted Widmer who told the story about vice president Breckenridge, John C. Breckenridge, who was responsible had the responsibility to count the electoral votes after the election of 1860 and who performed this task in accordance with his constitutional duties. Then when he was done being vice president of the United States under James Buchanan, immediately became a Confederate general. (laughs) And subsequently, I think he became Confederate secretary of war. So here's a man and who became a complete traitor. There's no other way to say it. Traitor to his country fought against his fellow Americans, but still did his duty under the constitution to, or whatever directed him as such to make sure the electoral votes for an election that he had to completely and totally disagree with considering he was one of the candidates Mm -hmm. and certainly abhorred the election of Abraham Lincoln, but he did his duty And he did it as he should have. And that was just a terrific lesson considering what was asked of Vice President Pence following the 2020 election. Yeah. And Dan Quayle factored into that story, too. I mean, what what are the chances Dan Quayle would come on the program? I mean, have you tried? I have not tried, but I'd certainly like to have him on for sure. Um, he's factored into a couple other podcasts that we've had, but yeah, absolutely. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by him um, because he just sort of retired. He left and he, I don't know what he, he's in Arizona. I think you you never really hear about him much. He just sort of like, is probably living the best life ever. Uh, Not in. Well, my understanding is he, and I don't know this. um, And there are people in Indiana who've worked with him and for him, obviously he's, He's some sort of investment person or whatever, and has got a gargantuan fortune. 
So it turned out all right for him, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I remember there was, uh, I don't know if I had to go to the restroom or I had, had another uh, podcast to do or something. There was one particular, and I cannot remember the name of the historian, but I think I had to just close out the Zoom and let you two keep talking. Um, uh, who, who, which of the historians do you think you j- just could talk to about hours, you know, maybe debating or conversing? I mean, which of them did you find personally to be, did you spark with the most that you could talk but to the longest? David O. Stewart, who wrote the book on George Washington, he was a really good interview. I don't know how many books I've read on Washington. I'm guessing 20, yeah. 25. Um, he was real. I would, I could have certainly talked to him quite a bit more. We did a couple of World War II podcasts, one with Andrew Nagorski and one with Stephen Fritz. They were both really cool. You know, as a kid, you kind of, I can only speak for myself. World War II was just such a huge event, you know, listening to Victory, Victory at Sea as a kid because uh, my parents had the album. So to be able to ask a lot of questions about that, uh, that, that was really, that was really fascinating. Obviously Dr. Lipscomb, there were so many other questions I could have asked of her. Um, I'm a huge Nixon fan as we wrap up the podcast, a huge Nixon fan. So to be able to talk to Michael Dobbs about his Watergate research was fascinating. It's the first event I can remember as a kid is Watergate summer, summer 73. And so that that was fascinating because, you know, everybody, everybody gets intrigued by Nixon, no matter who you are. Every, everyone is R's, D's. It doesn't matter because he's just such a polarizing and yet kind of transcendent figure of post-World War II history. Charming in a weird way, but repulsive. I, I don't know. He's fascinating. Brilliant. He's awkward. He's devious. <laughs> um, he's somewhat persecuted. And so, you know. We, we we want to keep doing that, and and you've been a big supporter of of doing these history podcasts with these authors, and you know hopefully we can we can grow that side of leaders and legends, and then at the same time you know not lose our our Hoosier flavor. And there's so many more people yet to talk to. Well, including including Abdul, who we've never had on. How is that possible? I was Abdul's producer. Uh, he, he's. My first job, my first real job was working for Abdul at WXNT. He was in my first wedding. He would have been in the second one. Probably would have. (laughs) If it had been here, he would have officiated it. Um, How have, and you obviously, that's where we met, was when you and, uh, how have we not have Wagner on? Because she's respectable now. Oh, please. Jennifer Wagner is you'll, very respectable. You'll never be too... How could you be... You can't be respectable and not have been on this podcast. <laughs> uh, we need to have we need to have Abdul on uh, probably maybe towards the end of session or even during it. Um, he's one of my favorite people, as I know you love him as well. Absolutely. I love Abdul. Yeah, I don't know how we haven't had him. I think you should have him and Wagner on at the same time, relive the glory days. Yeah, that may be my next. That could be a that'd be a good bipartisan, almost tripartisan uh, podcast. Assuming that we can get Shella on, or just have maybe you could host. And, I'll host. And, uh, I'll referee. Uh, you got to have Abdul has to have his own episode because Abdul has a character that he plays, 
and people don't know the real Abdul a lot of times, and 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 you know from his son Glenn and that story to his wife to you know all that stuff. It it gets lost in the Joe Fridays of <laughs> so well, and and we also have a very cool podcast coming up, which we're going to get scheduled, in which Dr. Katie Jenner, the Indiana Secretary of Education, I interview Danielle Shockey. Oh, cool! She gets to be a guest. Really? Yes. Oh, that's a trick. That is all correct. Right. Okay. So uh, Katie uh, made that suggestion and I jumped all over it. It'd be fun. Yeah. We've had Shella as a guest. We've had Bill Benner as a guest. And so if we can get Danielle on uh, as a guest, then all of our co-hosts will have taken a shot at the five questions. Yes. All right. Well, I, I don't think I should ask you the five questions again. You'd have to go Didn't back I to ask- your... Have I asked you the five questions? You already? have not asked me the five questions. No. All right. All right. Are you going to ask me them now? Oh, man. You know, as many times as I've heard these, I don't know that I'm ready, but go ahead. What was your first job? Uh, My dad ran a janitorial company that cleaned every bank one in central Indiana. And uh, I worked for a summer uh, cleaning cleaning bank ones, but buildings downtown. Uh, I cleaned the Indianapolis Bar Association. And I cleaned the Harrison building, including the office of Ed Tracy. And I stole a Hershey's Kiss from Ed Tracy's candy dish. And I was chastised by my father for uh, for thievery. Um, so it was it was funny to get to to tell that story to Ed Tracy later. I would think it was like <laughs> I think it was like twelve or thirteen. Uh, what was your first concert? Sticks um, and Bad Company. Sticks, uh, great show. I hate their music. Um, uh, Bad Company was great, though. If you could suggest any book for someone to read, which book would you recommend? Scary Close by Donald Miller. Uh, it is a book about Donald Miller is this great author who's written fiction. He's written the best books on marketing that I've ever read. But he wrote this book about his own journey through therapy uh, and it was really life-changing for me, and I've given that book out probably more than any other. If you could witness any event in history, be there in person as it happens, which event would you choose? See, this is the hardest one, and I, I thought about this this past week, actually. Uh, the, 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 I'd say the number one answer is the Sermon on the Mount. I've read the Sermon on the Mount probably every month for 20 years since I became a Christian. So I'd love to see that in person. Um, but I just read uh, Lawrence Bergen's book on Columbus while in the Dominican Republic. And I would, I think I, I don't know if it tops out the Sermon on the Mount, but I think seeing Columbus interact with, you know, the Native Americans on Hispaniola for the first time um I think that would have been really fascinating, but from from the native perspective to see like their culture, what it was like, and then to see, you know, I, I think that would have been an interesting moment in history. Do you get the sense of the five questions, the hardest one for them to ask? The answer, excuse me, is the book. I think that's the one where they stumble on the most. Yeah. Because your first your first job and your first concert are objective. Yes. And the last three are subjective. Yeah, it's hard to, especially historians, you, you know, a person who loves history, I could list probably 40 things that I'd love to yeah. see. 
you know, like when I get to heaven, that's what I want to. I want to see the whole highlight reel. I want to see the revolution. <laughs> I want to see Lincoln. I want to see all of it. Uh, you know, Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon. Um, that's a really hard one. The book is pretty hard. The hardest one I think is who to have dinner with. You know, and that's why they always default to Bush or Obama or their wife or something boring. So you just spent a week with your wife, so she's out. If yeah. you could have dinner with anyone two hours off the record to talk about anything you want. Man, this is the hardest one for me. Because I have a lot of different interests. You know, I'm a Christian, so there's always like Christian people that I'd want to to meet and talk with. Um, man, I'd love uh, Mitch Daniels would be an answer because I would I would want to know what like what is different about him. I, I've heard all these stories about him through this podcast, and like I'd want to like see what makes him tick. Um, Trump, just because. I'd love to see what he's really like. He's probably pretty funny. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Who was your answer? What was your answer? I can't remember what my exact answer. I, I could, there's no possible way in hell I could pass up two hours with Paul McCartney. See, if I I'd were- have to say Paul McCartney over any political official. There's so many historians, but I mean, Paul McCartney is probably the most famous person in the world, not a pope, not a president, not a monarch. See, I, I had to, I, I, yes, but I had to explain to my 27 year old wife who Paul McCartney was a, a, a couple weeks ago. Now, and you married her anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm the biggest Beatles fan. I mean, the Beatles anthology came out in 95 when I was a kid. Um, I I actually watched and enjoyed the thing on Disney. You know, if you're not a deep Beatles fan. See, McCartney would be fun, but he'd have to tell you the truth. My my thing about McCartney is that I, I think he kind of gives you the good PR answer. You'd probably want to go with Ringo, because Ringo one-on-one with a couple drinks is going to tell you all the stories that you don't hear about the Beatles, because you know those guys were going wild. But those stories have never really leaked out too much. I think my answer is actually going to be Jonah Goldberg. Um, I am have flirted with the idea of being an aspiring uh, political analyst one day. Uh, and I, I think I, I love his podcast, The Remnant, where he, he just talks by himself and waxes on poetically about nothing. Um, and he just has such a uh, uh, an interesting perspective on so many different things. He kind of doesn't give a crap anymore because he's not he was not a Trump person and he's kind of been excommunicated. But he's he worked with Buckley at National Review. He started the corner and kind of changed the face of the National Review. He started uh, the Dispatch. Um, he, uh, he's fairly libertarian, um, but he's, he's just had a really interesting career. And I think he's, you know, I'd love to get some tips from him and just, I think he'd be a fun conversation. You know, he had dinner with Hitchens, lived in the same building, would go to Hitchens and, and, you know, he's like, I can't tell you all the stories. So he's always talking about how he has all these stories about people that are like leaders and legends in the, the conservative political space. And I think he'd be a really fun two hour dinner that you have. 
He's certainly brilliant. That's for sure. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's very well expresses himself very well. Yeah, that's for sure. You have been listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmon Construction, Leaders and Legends LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. Thank you very much, Chris, for hosting this episode as we look back on the year 2021. We have some terrific podcasts coming up in 2022. Thank you so very much for listening. If you have any ideas as to who we should have on, and we've taken people's ideas and turned them into shows, uh, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net. That's leadersandlegends.net. Thank you, Chris, again. Congratulations on your nuptials. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening to Leaders and Legends, brought to you by Veteran Strategies Incorporated. If you want to contact us about this program or our menu of public relations services, please send us an email at robert at veteranstrategies.com. That's robert at veteranstrategies.com. Thank you.